I'm grateful to be uh, back today for week two of our series that we've titled Deepen, Moving Past the Surface. This is becoming a culture here at Walk Church where every year we take this first month of the year, January, and we devote it to the Lord and we ask Him to take us deeper. That we don't want to just stay in the surface, we don't want to stay in the kiddie pool when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to our faith. We want to move past the surface and go deeper. And that's where the heart for Deepen came from, where we take this month and we go deeper with the Lord. We're currently in a season where we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Hopefully you made it through the first week. Amen. Come on, give yourself a hand, right? The Lord is working in you. And if you're a first-time guest and you want to start today, come on, everybody, just say, start today. Type it in the comments, start today. And if you broke your fast last Thursday for some reason or this morning for some reason, check it out. Start today. There's grace for you. We've been singing about it. The righteous falls seven times but gets back up. And so go ahead and get back up and start over. Start again. Press on. Be encouraged that the gospel is made a way for us to, we're not going deeper to earn God's favor. We're going deeper because we have God's favor, right? We already have it in Christ. We don't have to earn it. His blood is sufficient. It's not about what we can do. It's about what's already done. When Jesus said it's finished and he rose from the grave, we get to take part in grace. So because of that, we want to go deeper into grace. We want to go from grace to grace, from faith to faith. And so last week we kicked this series off with a message that I titled, Deepen My Connection. Deepen My Connection. If you missed it and want to revisit it, you can go to walkchurch.com and click sermons. You can find it right there on the front page. And that will help you get a heartbeat and and um, an idea of this series, Deepen Our Connection. We said we, we deepen our connection with God through prayer. We disconnect from the world through fasting. We really believe that that's true. If you want to go deeper in your connection with God, in other words, if you want to have clean Wi-Fi, if you want to have a direct connect to God where you don't have to be bogged down with all the other stuff, you got to get in, in the school of prayer. It's in the spirit of prayer, consistent, desperate, hungry prayer, you connect with God. And it's through fasting that you disconnect from something of the world. It, it strengthens your connection with God. So we talked about that last week. We're going to continue to push out our devotionals every morning and our prayer points, and we're going to do this thing together. Today's message is from the subject that I've titled, Deepen My Community. Deepen My Community. Come on, let's say it together. Come on. Deepen My Community. It's a prayer. It's a a calling. It's a desire that we would go deeper with the Lord in community. And I would even be willing to say this biblically, if you're going to deepen your connection with God, God is going to make sure that you deepen your connection with one another. That's how he operates. From the beginning to the end, God is a relational God. God is a communal God. There has never been a moment in history past that God hasn't operated in community. Did you know that? That that in the beginning, it was the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is a triune God who lives in community and calls us to do the same. But here's what I'm convinced of, church. If I can just keep it 100, can I do it? Can I be real? Can I keep it 100% with you here today? I am not interested in surfaceable, shallow, mushy 
Christianity that never amounts to anything. I'm not, I, I don't have time or energy for fake Christianity that never goes past the surface. That looks like I go to church, I say hi, I give an elbow or a fist pound, I wave at somebody, somebody says, how you doing? I say, good. I say, how are you doing? They say, good. We get in our cars, we go home. We come back the next week, we do it all over again, and it's surfaceable. What is it going to look like to go beyond that? To go deeper in your community? That's what we're talking about here today. And I really believe if God would be so kind to take this group in the room and online deeper in our community, oh, we're going to experience power. We're going to experience healing. We're going to experience freedom. We're going to experience a new level of Christianity that we've never tapped into before. It's going to start by going deeper in community. So if you're ready, say ready. Come on, if you're hungry, say let's eat. Right now, Lord, I pray you would, you would open our hearts and minds to eat from your word. Stir our appetite here today that we would be hungry for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When I think about this context, I want to give you just some definitions real quick. The word deep, by definition, is to extend far down from the top or surface. It's this idea that I'm going beyond. I'm taking a step, and we love taking steps here at walk. That Jesus calls us to this walk, right? He says, take a step. Come on, everybody say, take a step, right? Step beyond the surface. You may be in, the, in, in this level. You don't have to jump all the way to the deep end. God's not asking you to drown. But he's asking you to depend. Where you take a step, and you say, okay, this is a little deeper. I'm a little uncomfortable. But I'm here. And he's with me. It's beyond the surface. It's from the top. Now, deepen community. Let's talk about this phrase community. I love this word, community. Community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. A group of people, that's us, all right? We're living in this place called Las Vegas, not the city of sin, but the city of him, right? God loves this city. God loves your neighbors. He loves you. He loves your family. He loves us, and he wants to do a great work here, and he is doing a great work here. That's where we're at. We're here. If you're online, you're here, Right? And wherever you're watching this from, I encourage you, this message applies to you, deep in your community. And here's what we have in common, a characteristic. You know what the characteristic is? It's actually a person. His name's Jesus. Right? It's this idea that we have this God that loves us, who's brought us together in community for him. I know this to be true because when I look out here at our audience, I see a garden salad of culture. I like that phrase better than uh, melting pot. My sister Kinsey taught me this, that melting pot is oftentimes where a bunch of flavors and ingredients get put together and it becomes one same dish, right? Soup, mush, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but a garden salad, you taste everything, right? You, you taste the croutons, you taste the lettuce, you taste the leaves, you taste the, the carrots, you might, you might have some tomatoes, you might, have, you might be a Cobb fan, you might have some, some eggs on there, come on, you might have some dressing, you want all of that. I don't want just one flavor. And I believe church is like that, right? That church has a lot of different cultures. Come on, I see a lot of different colors, and God identifies and acknowledges all of the color and culture in the room. God identifies and acknowledges all the gender in the room, all the ethnos in the room, all the passion in the room, all the domains in the room. 
room, all the different social economic statuses, all the different types of bank accounts in the room. God is seeing all of that, all the different political views and narratives in the room. But here's the, here's the thing that I want to tell you. Those aren't the things that have brought us together. There's a whole lot of difference in the room. Praise God. Amen. I'm so glad that it's not just only one political party in the room. I'm so glad that it's not just one color in the room. I'm so glad that there's probably multi-sport fans in the room, right? There's different, there's different passion and culture in the room, and I love it. Nina and I and some of our other church family went over to a friend in our church. His name's AJ. He's from India. He recently moved here, and he invited us to his house to experience his Indian cooking, and it was fire. It was so good. I was like, man, I got an appreciation for your culture. I needed that, right? I'm seeing all types of different culture in the room, and it's, it should be glorified. It should be, it should be celebrated because God is the creator of it. But that's not what we have in common here alone. What we have in common here today is a king named Jesus. He's brought us, all of us, together. The, the reality is we probably wouldn't all hang out with each other, right? It's okay. You don't got to offend somebody, right? There's different ages. There's youth. There's little kids. There's senior adults. But here's why we're here. Because of him. And so what we're saying is, okay, Lord, now that we're here and I'm sitting around people I probably wouldn't sit around usually, take us deeper into that. Take us deeper into community. And I don't know anyone who modeled this better than Jesus himself. I'm going to give you three points with some application today of what I mean when I say that. The first point is this. Jesus walked in community. Jesus walked in community. When it comes to anything we preach on, just always know Jesus did it first. Amen? Like, the best prayer warrior in the Bible was Jesus. The one who did the most fasting was Jesus. The one who knew the word in and out, Jesus. The disciple of all disciples, Jesus. The prophet of all prophets, the king of all kings, Come on, the prince of all peace, it's Jesus, and he walked in community. So here's what I'm convinced of, church. If Jesus walked in community, how much more should we? If Jesus chose to get around people, how much more should we? I'm seeing some faces right now that are saying, I don't know, bro. You're going to have to prove it to me. I'm glad you came. All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus. He just got done with 40 days of prayer and fasting. He came down and he got baptized in community by a guy named John the Baptist. And praise the Lord, we're celebrating a baptism today. Where's my brother Vince at? Is he here? Vince is in the back. Vince is getting baptized today. Praise God, man. We're going to be celebrating afterwards with you. And I'm grateful that you're not getting baptized into solo life. You're getting baptized into a community, man. We walk this thing out together. While walking by the Sea of Galilee... Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, Petros, the rock, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Here's what I realized. 
The first thing Jesus did when he started his public ministry was he started a small group. Jesus so prioritized community that he said, if I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk together. I'm going to walk in community. Jesus said, I need a group. I need a group. I need to be in a group. I need to be around a group. I need to be with a group. Let me go to the previous slide in verse 21. I want to highlight something. It says, and Jesus said to them, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. One thing I love about Jesus in this text is that we notice that Jesus didn't wait for people to invite him. Come on, somebody. Anybody? Y'all tracking with me? He went and found community himself. Like, this is a hard message for the introverts. I get it. Buckle up, all right? This is a challenging one. Jesus didn't wait for somebody to say, hey, um, I want to invite you. Come over to my house. I want to invite you to eat. Now, I hope that that happens. We want to see that happen. But Jesus says, you know what? I can't wait for somebody to invite me. I got to go get it myself. When it comes to deepening your community, you can't wait for it to happen. You got to make it happen. If you really want to go deeper in your community, you have to find somebody, maybe somebody you don't even know, and you got to say, hey, I want to take you to coffee. Hey, I want you to hang with me. Hey, so I would even say, this might be a little bit rude and a little bit bold. Invite yourself. Hey, you doing anything Tuesday? Can I come hang with you? You might overhear somebody. They're like, hey, we about to go to lunch. Just be like, hey, yo, can I come? I'm trying to find community, right? Now if, you, now, if it's a private meeting, hey, it's a private meeting. Be like, hey, let maybe another time. I get it. Respect it. But you know what? I can't wait for community to happen around me. I have to go get it. I can't wait for somebody to say, hey, do you want to come to church with me? No, I got to go on my own. I was so grateful a, a lady came to our church this past week. She said, I was at my house. I looked around at everybody. I said, I want to go to church. They said, well, do what you got to do. And she's like, are y'all not coming? And they were like, nah. And she's like, all right, bye. I'm going to go. I can't wait. That's the red hot, white hot flame we got to get where it says, we want to deepen our community so bad that even though it's uncomfortable, even though I never got invited, even though nobody even cares, I'm going to make sure that they know who I am. If you do that, you'll start having community in your life. Jesus said, I can't wait. I got to invite other people to follow me. I got to invite people into my life. And who does he call? He calls fishermen. I'm still intrigued that Jesus doesn't go to the synagogue. He doesn't go to the Pharisees. He doesn't go to the rabbis. He doesn't go to the religious elite. He goes to people who got time for him. They're about to just sit on the boat for six hours and wait, and they never catch anything anyway, right? So Jesus is like, look, I can use you guys. Y'all get it. But even then he goes, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus' calling to himself is a call to community. When Jesus says, hey, I'm calling you to follow me, he says, I'm calling you to follow me to bring others into this fold as well. And I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed Jesus. I wonder if these disciples were like, I wonder if Peter and Andrew were like, man, we, we're so cool, man. It's the trio. It's the three horsemen. It's, it's Peter, it's my bro Andrew, and King Jesus. Let's do this, right? We in community. We're walking it out. And I love this next verse, right? Let me give you the next verse. It says, and then he saw two other brothers. And they were like, hey, hold up. It's just us. It's just our party with Jesus. Don't invite nobody else. 
And Jesus saw two other brothers. He said, y'all, hold on a second. Hey, James, son of Zebedee, and John, your brother. Hey, how about y'all come too? And I thought, oh, man, the group is expanding. And they made a great choice. They said, we can either stay where we're at in our comfortable boat, or we can step out on faith and walk in community. And I would say today that they would be glad they did. That in heaven, we can ask them, were you glad you stepped out of the boat and you followed Jesus? I bet you they say, man, that was an adventure of a lifetime. I wouldn't rather do anything else. If Jesus prioritized community, so should we. You had to take a step. It's if you want to go deeper. Now, if you want to stay in the shallow end, if you don't want anybody to talk to you and you don't want to talk to anybody else, if you don't want to get offended ever, if you don't want to get hurt ever, do not go deeper in community. Stay in the shallow end. You'll never grow in your faith and you'll, you'll, you'll raise a family that will do the same. But if your kids see you go deeper in community and people around you and your coworkers see you go deeper in community, that thing is contagious, friend. And this is what he's calling us to in the scripture. Amen. I'll clap for that. This is risky. I read, I read a quote recently that said, if you never want to be offended, don't go around people. It's, it's facts, right? But Jesus didn't call us to a life where we never get offended. I mean, Jesus was offensive himself. But he says, here, I want you to grow deeper in community because when you get offended, don't leave. Lean in. Right? When you get offended, don't retreat. Right? Go deeper into it. I think this is the correct biblical picture of community. Because it's, it's, here's what I know. Here's what I know when, when, when Satan's speaking. And you know the devil will try to speak louder than any other voice in your life. Here's what I found. Whenever anybody gets offended including me, when I get offended by somebody. Come on, and we live in the USO, right? The United States of Offense. Everybody's offended. Even if you're not offended, somebody's offended that you're not offended. <laughs> then you get offended and somebody's offended that you're offended. This is, our, this is the day we're in, right? But here's what I've found. The devil loves, come on, tell me if you've heard this. The devil loves to sneak in and he goes, just leave. Just don't talk to anybody. Just slowly fade away because you're offended and then nobody will, and then all of a sudden now you're gone. That is the voice of Satan. Apes, hey, you didn't really like what that person said, huh? Just leave. Isolate yourself. Isolate yourself because then I can attack you even more. And then nobody will even see it. That's the voice of the enemy. Speaking lies to your mind and to your spirit. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't, don't leave. Go deeper into community. Go, go deeper. And here's what I've even seen. The devil will say, just leave. Go to a new church so you can get offended there and then leave that one and go to a new church and get offended there. This isn't the call to Christ the call to Christ is to say, hey, let's walk together. There's going to be offense. There's a reason why Jesus called tax collectors and zealots who were at war with each other. The zealots wanted to lock up the tax collectors. The tax collectors wanted to kill the zealots. And Jesus goes, Simon the zealot, come follow me. Matthew the tax collector, follow me. Let's work it out. Let's work it out. Amen? Let's work it out. And Jesus is the king of the Jews. And the Jews don't like any of them. 
The Jews are like, hey, this is supposed to be our city. The Romans took it over. What's going on? And Jesus is like, this, we're going to work it out. Let's work it out. In community, together. It's going to require forgiveness. Yeah, it's going to iron sharpening iron. It's going to require loving. It's going to require prayer. It's going to require confession. It's going to require struggle. It's going to require time. It's going to require tears. It's going to require joy. Jesus walked in community, and so should we. Let me give you the second point. Not only did Jesus walk in community, but check this out. Jesus identifies with community. So yeah, did Jesus walk in community? Totally. We can see that in the Bible. Pretty much every miracle Jesus did, he's with somebody. What about when Jesus walked on water? He was with his, right? The disciples were right there. Hey, Peter, you want to walk too? Let's do this together. Let's walk, to, let's walk on water together. But not only does he walk in community, he identifies with community. I think the strongest point for this point is found in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, we see the church, the local church birth, Jesus, right? He ascends into heaven. He walked in community. He walks with the disciples. And in the book of Acts, we find in Acts chapter 9, we get introduced to this cat named Saul. Everybody say, what up, Saul? What up, Saul? Now, Saul is an interesting character. For half of the book of Acts, we know him as Saul. Later on, we find that he changes his name to Paul. And before you get the Apostle Paul, you get Saul, the persecutor of the church. Saul was a wicked man, a lot like me and you. You're like, man, did you just call me wicked? Absolutely. Totally. Right? We're, none of us are good in this room. But we have a good God who loves us and is growing us. And hopefully you can say, you know, he's working on me. He's making me better. I'm not the same person I was yesterday. I'm going deeper. Saul was a, a, a wicked dude. He actually was breathing threats upon anybody who claimed the name of Jesus. He wanted to get them locked up and potentially killed. In Acts chapter 7, you see the, the first ever deacon in the New Testament. His name's Stephen. Right? He preached a powerful sermon in Acts chapter 7. The text tells us he was a man of faith, good character, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I want that. Right? That was Stephen, and Saul had him killed. Right? But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples. This was hard times, amen? Like I found that like people are tripping like, oh man, we're in intense persecution. Not really. This was challenging right here. Saul was saying, if I see a Facebook post from you about Jesus, I might come to your house and have you locked up, potentially in prison. This was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus. So Saul wants to write letters to all the synagogues that say, if you believe in Jesus, I'm going to have you killed. I just want this letter to go out. So that if he found any belonging to the way, this is how the church described themselves, we follow the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. 
The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. I wonder if the men traveling with him said, hey, Paul, when did you see Jesus? Like, didn't Jesus already die and rise? And from all we know, Saul, you never even had an encounter with Jesus. And Saul's thinking, Jesus? I never had an encounter with Jesus either. But as we look at the previous verse in verses 5 and 6, it says, he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. In other words, Jesus says, when you, when you, when you, when you touch my church, you touch me. Jesus identifies here with the body. Jesus says, when you killed Stephen, I felt that pain. Jesus says, look, you didn't have to touch me physically to persecute me. You touched my church, my body. Jesus identifies here with the body, and he should, amen? Think about the, the, the two most popular metaphors for church. Do you guys know them? They both start with the letter B. The body and the bride. When it comes to church, Jesus says the two most precious things to him is his body and his bride. That's why it's so important that we have a love relationship with the church. Do we idolatrize a church? No, we only worship King Jesus. But do we love the church? Absolutely. It's important that we identify with the church. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus says, when you persecute the church, you persecute me. When you slander the church, you slander me. When you gossip about the church, you gossip about me. This is the church. We need to give the world, who really is watching, a better picture of church. When we live the same way as the world, where we slander, gossip, talk bad about, are divisive, are shady, are th these different things, we don't give a hope for the world that they need the church, that they need Christ. We give the opposite. I think people think the church oftentimes is so weird. And I get it. Because I hear people say things like this. Hey, yo, Pastor Hyden, you know, man, I love Jesus. I just don't like church. That's so weird. And I get it because people don't like to be around people. Because people are messy. But check this out. That's not the mentality of Jesus. Jesus says, not only do I love the church, I am with the church. I once heard Charles Spurgeon say it like this. He said, I don't know where you'll be on Sunday, but I know where Jesus will be. He'll be with his church. Right? This is the body, the arms, the feet, the legs of Jesus is us. Did you know that? Like, I love my beautiful, sexy wife right here. Hey, baby, how you doing? How you doing? But if you were to pull me aside and be like, yo, Pastor Hyden, you my guy, I love you, bro. I really can't stand your wife. I'd be like, that's weird. And we're not cool. We can't go further. But we do that when we say, Jesus, I love Jesus. I can't stand the church. Jesus is like, er? that's, that's a big cap, big lie. 
You can't do that. You can't say, I love Jesus. I'm spiritual. I'm super spiritual. Me and Jesus are tight. No, you're not. You're only tight with Jesus if you're tight with his body. Jesus isn't some mystical glowing head you keep around. Check out my Jesus head. No, you need a full body Jesus. You only get that at church. You can only see the full expression of Christ through the church. You can only meet the bride of Christ through the church. That's why we need to together as a church commit to a gossip-free, slander-free environment where we don't talk bad about each other, we honor each other. Right? Where the prayer meeting can't just be a holy place for gossip. Hey, I want to pray for so-and-so because they were beep, 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 beep. Like, no, no, no. That's not the way to, to, to slander somebody. It's not how we do it. Right? We can't have that same. I would even say this. I'm going to go ahead and just put this out there. If you are around somebody at Walk Church and you hear them slander, defame somebody's character. That's the definition for slander. Hinder or, or tear down somebody's character or are gossiping about somebody else's sin, you have the permission to stop and call the person right there. I'm giving you the permission. Just say, hey, hey hold on a second. Let's call them. Say it. Let's have integrity. Or you have the permission to stop and say, hey, we don't do that. We don't have that culture here. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit. I'm going to have to lovingly rebuke you. Don't talk about so-and-so like that. Here's what I'll say. I'll commit to doing that for you. Will you commit to doing that for me? Come on, can we commit to doing that for each other? If somebody in my life or in my circle says something bad about Josiah or Sierra or Japper, I'm going to say, time out, I'm going to throw a flag. Time out, hey. First off, you need to go tell that to them. And second off, don't talk about my family member like that. Don't do it. Don't do it. We need to make that less and less more uncomfortable. We need to make that more and more regular. We just don't. How are we ever going to shape a culture where we honor each other, where we love each other, where we praise God for each other, where we, where we help people in their sin, but we don't do it in a gossip way? Jesus identifies with the body of Christ. Jesus says, when you persecute the church, you really are persecuting me. Was that your plan, Saul? And Saul was like, whoa, now I see. Now I was blind, <laughs> but now I see. The church is a big deal, amen? The big C church, this church in the room here today, is a big deal to Christ. Let's lean in. Let me give you the third and final point of this sermon. We're almost done. First point, Jesus walked in community. Second point, Jesus, right, do you guys remember it? Jesus walked in community. He identifies with community. Third point, Jesus expects us to do the same. I love that right there. Come on, it's not that hard. Well, maybe it is. It's, it's simple, but it's hard. Jesus expects us to do the same. The same thing that Jesus modeled is the same thing he expects from us. In other words, Jesus expects us to walk in community, and he expects us to identify with community. Maybe you're familiar with the Old Testament story in the book of Genesis. You find these two brothers, Cain and Abel, right? And 
Cain didn't bring the offering that he should have. He got jealous. He got angry. He got so mad. He had sin in his heart, and he killed his brother. And then the Spirit of God speaks to him, right, and says, he says, are you not your brother's keeper? Am I, am I my brother's keeper? And I could just, I just picture the whole surround sound of heaven saying, yes, you are. You are your brother's keeper. If we're going to walk in community and identify with community, we got to look out for our community. we got to engage in our community. we got to be a part of this community. We can't keep making excuses. we got to do it. If we're going to go deeper, we are, we're, we're each other's keeper. Amen? Let me give you a couple verses to just reaffirm this point, and then we'll be done. The first point or the first verse I want to highlight is in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We see a capital D day, the day that Jesus returns or the day that we return to him. That day is drawing near. Every day we're a day closer. Right? I, I don't believe that we should predict numbers and times and seasons. That's not our job. Jesus tells us that's not your job. Just focus on the mission. He says, and here's the mission. In this sermon, the mission is to not neglect to meet together. Another translation would say, don't forsake assembling together. Don't forsake the assembly. The assembly of the saints, the body of Christ, is a powerful thing. Come together. Don't make it a habit to skip church. Come on, am I speaking to anybody online? Don't make it a habit. Don't make it easy to just say, ah, let's just, let's just take this one off. Hey, we don't, come on, that, no, no one's going to really know. For, God will know. And somebody will know. And it could have been the word you needed, the, the person you needed, the moments you needed to be in the house. Don't, don't forsake it. Don't neglect it. And I love how the Hebrews writer is the habit of some. Maybe in your mind right now, you're thinking of the some. You're like, I know some folks that it's not their habit. They don't go deeper. They come on Christmas and they come on Easter. That was kind of a rhyme, right? Um, you know, and, and it's like, you know, you never go deeper, though. You check a box, but you never go deeper. That's what we're trying. We're trying to go deeper. It's stir one another up. It says... Encourage one another. Encourage one another. I think that we should take more time. Church, look at me. I think we should take more time to encourage each other. To call somebody. Hey, what, what are you calling me for? I wanted to encourage you. Wow. Hey, what do you need? I don't really need anything. I just wanted to encourage you. Encourage one another. Pastor Mike, you wrote a great devotional this morning. I hope that you guys are checking out the 25 days of devote, or the 21 days of prayer and fasting, the de daily devotionals. Today's devotional, Deep in My Community. You're right there. And you talk about how can we encourage each other better. I love that. that this is our calling. We're going to grow deeper in community when we encourage each other. Let me give you another text. Proverbs 18, verse 1 says it like this. Come on, can we read it together? Yeah. Ready? One, two, three. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So 
So maybe you would say, what's sound judgment? What would be sound judgment on my life? Here it is. Don't isolate yourself. Do not live in isolation. We weren't created to isolate ourselves. We were created for community. Jesus says, if you isolate yourself, you seek your own desire. In other words, you're selfish. The most selfish thing you could do is live a lifestyle that's isolated. That's where we get attacked the most. That's where we get prideful the most. That's where we get consumed with self. Jesus doesn't call us to a Lone Ranger Christianity. This is a one another sport. It's a team sport. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. I've learned that when we do selfish things, it's because we have selfish desires. We have selfish desires and we isolate ourselves. So my encouragement for us is don't let it happen. Don't allow yourself to isolate, right? Allow yourself to initiate and to deepen your community. Let me give you one more verse. And before I show you this last verse, I just want a disclaimer with it, okay? I'm, I'm going to put, put one more verse up, all right? I think. <laughs> and I want a disclaimer before I share it. I'm going to share this verse to a group of people in the room and online. I'm hoping it's everybody, but I'm not convinced it's everybody. This next verse is only for those who want to go deeper. Today you might say, I'm offended, I'm hurt, or I don't like people. I'm not going deeper. I want to just stay me and Jesus, and I'm not taking a step. If that's you, this verse will never make sense to you. But for those who say, you know what? It sounds uncomfortable. It feels challenging. I don't know if I'm ready, but I'm going to go anyway. This is a verse, all right? If you're ready, say ready. All right, here it goes. James chapter 5, verse 16. Here it goes. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. For the first couple years of my Christian life, I would just be in different circles and somebody would just quote a scripture and they would say, hey, you know, the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. That was the King James Version. Or someone would say, man, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. And one day I said, you know what, where's that verse at? And I found it and I said, oh, hold up. You can't get to that verse until you get to the first part. You don't get to B before you get to A. And A says, therefore confess your sins. Uh, now watch this. To one another. How should this work? It should be like this. All right. I want to confess my sins. Boom. And this person then says, my turn. Boom. This person says, all right, my turn. Boom. It's not like a, oh, I, I got to confess my sins to you. Here's all of my sins. That's Catholicism, and that's not what we believe. I want to be clear on that. There's only one mediator between man and God, and it's not a priest or one of us. The only mediator between man and God is Jesus. We're not confessing to each other to be forgiven. That's only done on the cross. Only forgiveness happens through our 
vertical relationship with Christ. But healing, healing is a different story. Healing happens when you look at another brother or sister in the eyes and say, here's my sin. Can you pray for me? And that person prays for you. It, it triggers, it unlocks, it opens the door to healing. If you, want to experience, if you want to go deeper in healing in 2021, here's your verse. You may not like it, but you need it. Confess your sins to one another. It shouldn't just be a one-man street. I confess, you pray, we leave. That's not what this is. I confess, you confess. We both pray. I pray, you pray. And cut out the, I don't know if I pray right. Cut it out. Stop. I've called on too many people to pray that say, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Why not? You don't think God knows your voice? You don't think God knows what's in your heart before you pray it? He wants to hear you. We're not, we're not the prayer police. I've heard more people cuss in their prayers. That's just their way of expressing. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying they're growing. We're all growing. Confess your sins to one another and then pray for one another that you may be healed. I have to tell you, I have to tell you this because I love you. You won't experience healing until you start doing this. And I don't speak this from theory. This isn't like a good theory. This is my experience. I know that when I got saved as a freshman in college and God was revealing to me that I'm a lot more sinful than I realized. I realized, okay, God, I need to be forgiven for all my sins. And I went to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that I need a Savior. I believe that you are him. I want to turn from my sins now. I want to put my faith in you and you alone. Save me. Forgive me. And Jesus said, done. I forgive you. You're free. You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to earn your salvation. Now, not too long after that, I came back to Jesus and said, Jesus, I have sins in my life that I know you've forgiven, but I feel like I'm not healed of. I need you to heal me. And Jesus says, I got a different game plan for that. I was like, what? Can't you just like just heal me right now? He goes, I totally can, but that's not what I'm going to do. You need to get around other people for that. I was like, whoa! That is not, come on, Epaph, that was not in this book, right? And then I came across James 5, 16, and I had a wrestling match with it. It wasn't until I invited people I loved, people I trusted, people that I knew had my back and my best interest, people that had a, a testimony of character in Christ, that I was able to say, hey, look, I want to initiate this meeting. I got sin in my life, and I want to share it with you. And I'm asking you to pray for me because I want to be healed. And you know what surprised me? Can I just share it with you guys? What surprised the heck out of me is pretty much every time I initiated moments like that, and I still do this to this day, this is a practice, it's a lifestyle. Pretty much every time I say, I got sin in my life, here's what it is. Can you pray for me? I want to experience healing. You know what I usually hear? Me too. I didn't know I could share it. But since we're doing this thing, let me go. Can I go? Can we just tear down some of the religious walls? The veil has been torn. We can do this thing, amen? 
to walk in freedom. Amen. Let's go there. It's if you want to experience the power of healing. The prayer of righteous person has great power as it's working. I wonder if Jesus sometimes is like, man, that, this prayer doesn't have much power on it. Like you tried, but it, the, the power is lacking because your confession is lacking. That's tough. That's what I needed. I was in a meeting recently. I just sensed that, you know what? I needed to just open up a moment of confession. And healing happens. It's the promise of God's word. Easy? Nope. Jesus didn't call us to easy. Worth it? Every time. So I want to pray. And then I want to open up a moment to respond in worship. And if you feel led, you can come down to what we have here as an altar. We even have some blue cushiony pads for your kneecaps. Amen. Um, feel free to kneel. Feel free to stand. Feel free to worship. However you feel led to worship, we're going to respond to this message and worship. And then we'll close with application. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. God, as we respond right now, uh, Lord, that you would help us to do it. God, some of us may just need to get right with you, confess things to you. Jesus, if somebody doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that they today would know you as Savior. They would say, Jesus, I believe. I confess my sins to you. I need you to save me. I believe you're the, 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 the Messiah from heaven who came to save Israel and all people. Jews and Gentiles can both share at the table. By your blood, Jesus, save me. And God, as you save me, connect me in community so I can experience healing. Connect me in community so I can experience grace. Connect me in community so I can grow deeper with one another. Help us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.